take with a grain of salt the criticism at an early stage of your idea. When you share your idea with people, which you very much should, that's another one. Don't hoard your idea. Yeah. Don't make everyone sign NDAs. Hey, welcome to My Company Story. I'm your host, Don Burge. My Company Story is a podcast where I get to interview some of the most interesting business owners and CEOs about the challenges that they've faced and how they've overcome them. Enjoy the show. Hi, I'm here today with Ryan Wenger. Ryan is the CEO of Where To. Ryan, welcome to My Company Story. Thanks for having me. Hey, Ryan, um, let me tell the audience a little bit about what Where To is, and then you can fill in the gaps for me. Um, Where To is a business travel platform that helps companies reduce and manage their employees' travel. Uh, they have about 30 employees, and they recently were acquired by Flight Center, which has about 20,000 employees. So, Ryan, can you kind of fill in the blanks of what your company is today and, and, uh, and what that's all about? Yeah, so we started as a about 30 person startup in San Francisco focused on uh, an online booking tool, like a smarter way for companies to manage and for employees to book their travel using our online platform, which is on mobile and tablet and, and desktop. And we were acquired by a company, a travel agency called Flight Center, Flight Center Travel Group. They're listed on the Australian Stock Exchange. They have like 70 offices around the world. So it's a really global company. Mm-hmm. And they're a traditional brick and mortar, what they call a TMC, a travel management company, which means that they, um, well, they have two divisions. Actually, half of it is business travel, which is their TMC side, which manages companies' travel, uh, helps them book you know, the trips and come up with policies to, to, to help them um, save money. And then the other half, and that's like a traditional, like they employ thousands of travel agents that pick up the phone and book their trips. Other half of the company is a consumer leisure business, Liberty Travel, you know, kind of a brick and mortar operation and some other consumer travel sites. So we were required to become the booking tool for them. I see. Um, alongside their others that they, the party products. So they, they basically bought you for technology then for your software that you built out? Yes, our, our software and our team. We, we have a, a high quality engineering team that has allowed them to stand out from their competitors with our team of engineers. So you, you tell me, Ryan, are you running the company within the company? Is it, is how, yeah. how anonymous I'm, are you? How does that look? Yeah, I'm, I'm like a general manager or a, or a director. So I'm, you know, my title is CEO, but really what I, I just run my division. My thirty-person division. How different is it? Because I know the audience would like to know the difference that you, when you were running your startup company, thirty people, you pretty much had a maybe a board of directors or advisory board or investors you had to talk to, and now you've got you know this big company that you are part of. I mean, what's the difference in in your job? Yeah, it's very similar. Uh, it's just instead of me reporting to the board of directors, now I report to. The uh, I report to the C- chief experience officer of the company. So, you know, it's a similar relationship where I'm given broad objectives and it's my responsibility to work to, to break those into deliverables with the team. Right. And I, you know, I have a good amount of daily discretion. And if major decisions need to be run by the uh, chief experience officer in the same way I used to have to run them by the board of directors. It, it, I got it. So it's not much different. What about in your mindset? I mean, what about the, 
you know, your psyche going into work, is it different now uh, than it uh, was before, or is it pretty much the same? I mean, the, the greater resources has a huge impact on everyone on, on the team. Um, we now can do what we need to do. You know, there's not, it's not as much of a, um, certainly it's, you know, being in COVID restricts their resources, but compared to the scrappiness that we had to have when we were a startup, it, it's just much better. You know, we have more project managers that help us document requirements and come up with roadmaps and have best practices throughout the business that yeah. make us healthier as an organization. That's great. So it's great to have, it's really not just financial resources. It's really more about human resources and have, being able to talk to an expert. You know, we, our team was never, was from outside of the travel space. So we always had to do a lot of like guessing and as to what the right solution was from the industry. Right. And now that we're connected to a travel company, we can just call up the person. Oh, that's great. So really great, great advantages to, to, to the migration from the startup into the other, to larger corporation. You've got great resources, financial, and you can reach out to experts in the, uh, in the area then. That's yeah. fantastic. So let's take us back a little bit or tell the audience a little bit. How did you get into this? I mean, where did you, where did you come from? Yeah, <laughs> it's a, uh, certainly not, not a common entry point into, into a startup. I was a business litigator. And I knew I wanted to be one since I was a little kid. Um, never thought of being an entrepreneur. And uh, I had an idea for a search engine based on your budget where you can say, I have $1,000. Where in the world can I go for $1,000? Um, and it would, you look at flight and hotel prices all over the world to figure out what destinations were within your budget. So I had that idea just from my personal experience traveling on a dime in college and law school and pitched it to my boss at the law at a law firm I worked at and he loved it and he funded it and said you can build this on the side as long as you meet your hours so I spent the next year doing that building the company um him and I Darren Darren Einstein he was my my boss at, at the law firm he him and I founded the company and and uh out of the law firm and wow. uh, so it basically we we waited until it took off before I became full-time. Right, right. So, and so how, how much time was that from the time that you uh, came up with the idea and, and approached the partner of the law firm and kind of doing both jobs to then taking the jump and, and leaving and doing it full-time? How much time was there? It was about a year. About a year? Yeah. Okay. And yeah. any any rough spots in that year transition when you went from making a good salary, I imagine, at the law firm to uh, a different kind of income after that? Was that a rough well, transition? No, I actually, it, it wasn't because I, I I required the same approximate salary. Oh, perfect. In Great. both positions. So that was smooth. <laughs> oh, perfect. Good move. <laughs> All right. We're, we're going to want to explore how you did that. That's a good idea. <laughs> That's a good move. Yeah. <laughs> well, great. That's good. Well, um, Ryan, let's talk a little bit then, if we can, about some of the challenges that you uh, had to face, certainly a lot in your career. And I mean, the most obvious one that I think we should discuss is how you managed, you know, what happened last March with COVID hitting the travel agency and putting the brakes on all travel going on out there. I mean, what, what were you doing then with your team and how did you navigate that those uncertain times? Yeah. Um, 
Well, that was certainly a black swan event for, for all of us. You know, we were dealing with the normal struggle of a startup and then suddenly the rug was you know, pulled out from under us and our revenue dropped substantially, like 95% in two weeks. Um, and it basically, you know, I, we, we luckily, you know, we, our team was very calm and able to address it very analytically, not freaking out. Um, you know, are we, are we had a great investment team, Emergence Capital, that was our VC, and they were very helpful and, and, and collected. And um, so we just looked at our options. And, you know, we had two major ones. One was to hibernate and, you know, try to wait it out. And that would require letting go of like a serious percentage of the company, like probably like 70, 80% of the company we'd have to let go. Um, bring it back to just like the first five people um, and hope, you know, that plan and then hope that COVID ended soon and that we would pick it back up again on the other side of things. And then the other option was to, was to sell. And we had a few um, term sheets from companies interested in doing that. Um, the, the valuation wasn't what, you know, it would have been in, in other, other circumstances. So we had that classic hard decision and, the right one was to sell because it was the one that rewarded the team that had been with us for years that got us there. Um, that's the moral foundation of it. But there is also a business foundation, which is that we, we couldn't hibernate without decimating our value as a company. Yeah. You know, letting go of the, you know, the team is a key aspect of your value of the company. So it wasn't a good decision financially either. Right. So it made, so, made the best course of action, obviously, was to was to sell. I'm curious, Ryan, were you prepared in before March of last year? Did you have were you talking with potential people to buy you in term sheets or did you just did, did was that not even on your radar? And then you said, we got to do this. And then you went out and sought someone. Tell me about that timing on that. Um, yeah. So we weren't we weren't looking, you know, until, until the shoe fell. Right. Um, and then we were looking, uh, we, were, we were looking a lot. Um, so how, how receptive were those companies that you were, I imagine you were approaching them saying, Hey guys, you know, obviously yeah. this, we're on the same boat here. I mean, how, how did you do that? I mean, how did you approach uh, another company in the travel space? Who's obviously having the same trouble as you were having and saying, you know, why don't you acquire me? I mean, how did that work? Yeah. Well, the, the, we, we got a term, the first term sheet set it off and that came in without, um, a, it was unsolicited. Oh, I, I, I can't give more details about that first term sheet, but it did precipitate a search for a better deal. Oh, so you got, you were, you were courted then by someone before you went to, they came to you first. Yeah. Yeah. That's oh, right. Fantastic. That's great. That's right. And, it, you know, we just, that just set off a, a, a scramble to find a better deal. Right. So, so, so we did, you know, I had about a dozen companies in the, in the pipeline. Right. Um, we didn't hire an investment bank or anything to help us. You know, the times were just, it was too, uh, the company was too small and, and the times were too dramatic for, yeah. for that to make sense. 
So I just ran the process, you know, I, I developed a, a pretty good network in the travel space and called up some executives at a bunch of companies and asked them if they were interested. And, you know, for the, for the most part, had very mature, positive, constructive conversations with everyone. Great. And the best deal, the one that was the best fit, culture fit, the best price point for investors, et cetera, was, was Flight Center. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, so, so really, I'm, I'm, I'm quite impressed and quite surprised that it was, I mean, during that time, it must have been, I mean, so many uncertainties going on with your company and the companies that you're talking to. I'm surprised that they were uh, interested in, in making acquisitions at such an early uncertain time during uh, this pandemic and in the travel industry, but you didn't find that to be the case. You found that they were looking to add value and build up uh, with you and others then uh, at that time. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's a it's a pretty like traditional strategy of of uh, distressed purchasing. Right. Now it's not the first one that comes to mind. The first one you you know you buy in hot markets, but the second strategy contrary contrary to that is you know the opposite, like looking for industries that may be under temporary duress. Right. Um, I mean, there's even a you know there's a major SPAC. Um, right now that is focused on buying up travel assets. So now it's a mature, by, by now, by this, by late summer, it's, it was a mature market for, for buying travel startups. When we started looking in the spring, early summer, it was more immature, but there was still people that had the vision to buy for the long term. Got it. Got it. Where's the future going to go? I mean, where is the future with your with the, with your division of the company? And and once we get through this pandemic, uh, where do you see the, the the future of the travel industry and in, in your uh, in your role in it? Yeah. So I mean, the last twenty five years has been a uh, looking at the travel business has been a move from aid travel calling your travel agent to book your trip to doing it yourself online. So we naturally fit within that. That, that progression being an online booking tool and being one that's focused on artificial intelligence um, to make booking faster. So I think we're naturally just like big wins. We're, we're, we're in the right one in the helping Flight Center, which is a great company with great teams and kind of well, well good reputation in the industry to for, help them to, uh, to move faster towards digital having a digital platform. And we're continuing to see uh, online adoption rates increase. So we'll help with that. Um, zooming in a bit more on, on us, we are just, you know, just executing the integration between the two companies. And um, it's been very positive. The people we, we've we're reporting to have been a great culture fit and uh, we're happy in retrospect with the decision. That's great, Ryan. Ryan, what 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 advice would you pass along to entrepreneurs who are in your position or running or they're running current, you know, startup companies and you know, maybe now it's not I, the same circumstances as you had back then, but what what would you like to pass along to maybe other entrepreneurs that are listening? Yeah. Yeah, I I have, I have a few. One is to I really believe strongly in the side hustle approach to building a company. You know, there's a, there's a lot of information out there pressuring people, particularly young people to like drop out of school or quit their job to pursue their passion full time. And I just think there's a, that's only for a fraction of people that can afford that route. 
that I think the smarter route is to do it in your spare time. You know, yeah. I feel like if I could bill my hours as a, as a big firm attorney, um, and still build this thing, I, I think a lot of people could do that. Yeah. So yeah. side, you know, do make it your side hustle, de-risk it, you know, startups are risky, most fail. So it's far better to do it, you know, from the cushion of another job yeah. than it is to do it solo. So that's don't, one. Don't, don't bet the farm and don't, don't mortgage the house. Uh, make sure you've got your, <laughs> everything covered before. Cause it may, cause you, like you said, so many fail out the gate. Yeah, absolutely. So make it your side hustle. Second piece of advice I'd, I'd have is to do your best to, to try to get over your ego in the process of building and managing the company. There's a ton of daily moments where, you know, your ego is challenged, um, where, you know, your criticism of yourself and I think people being in a position of power tempts them to trample over it instead of listening. And it's so valuable to put it aside and see yourself as just another employee yeah. and say, Hey, you know, you know, objectively think if a person's criticism is true. And, uh, for me, the, what that meant is for a year, I had a new, a different CEO in my company. What, tell me about that. What do you mean? Um, there was a Chris. Yeah. Was our, was our CEO for a year. Um, it was partly because I moved to New York and, and the VC wanted to have somebody local to run the company so that I would switch to more of a, like I would switch to more of a high level role okay. as a president yeah. and he managed day to day. So there was partly practical, but it was also partly um, a better, I thought a better business decision because I didn't find that I was the best manager of people. Mm. Um, so it was an opportunity to bring in somebody that would, that I thought would help grow the team better. So I was able to make that, you know, separate, you know, just kind of accept the ego blow and see that another person might do better at the CEO role. Right. And, and for the greater good. And as it turns out that that was a good call then, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, we, we learned a lot and uh, we got a lot done. Um, I came back in to be the CEO again recently um, and I'm loving it and I learned a lot from that from from watching uh, an excellent CEO perform you feel you're a better CEO now from the experience of watching what was done before yeah yeah good in what ways what changed um I think like just improving the diplomacy of the uh, of management like I watch watching the way that you deliver information I think you know, it's hard to sum up in like seconds, but in a few minutes, but um, learning how to deliver information, I think is a art and it usually comes with experience. Yeah. <laughs> like telling people the criticism the wrong way. And right. um, so finding ways of delivering information better, um, trying to be less uh, top down, you know, yeah. giving people more freedom, more flexibility to come up with solutions themselves. Um, those two things I think were key learnings for me. Yeah. And, and that comes with maturity and from understanding and watching and, and growing, it seems like, and, and that, uh, it's a great, that's a great story. Well, great. Well, is there any final words you'd want to say around before we sign off on this? Or I think it's been a great interview and I think you've got imparted some really interesting, uh, stories and great advice, uh, to others, but any final word? Sure. Um, I'm happy to rattle off like a few other pieces of like, bad advice that I got sure, that, yeah. I think, that I think you hear a lot that, that could have stopped my journey, but didn't. Um, so, so one is 
to um, take with a grain of salt the criticism at an early stage of your idea. When you share your idea with people, which you very much should, that's another one. Don't hoard your idea. Yeah. Don't make everyone sign NDAs. Get out, tell as many people as possible. There are very few ideas that are so sensitive that they're valuable in and of themselves. So if you don't have one of those, you should be sharing it with everyone. Yeah, good. Then the next thing is when you do get criticism, feedback, you know, realize, take it with a grain of salt. I heard lots of great feedback from lots of great smart people that ended up not being accurate. I heard one, you know, one person when they heard about Wherefore said it's a feature, not a product. You know, another person said the user acquisition costs would be too high in travel. Like, look at how much it costs. To get Google. And they were all accurate, but we found ways around them. Yeah. So to take when you do share with people, realize that it's easy to forever forget an idea because of a piece of feedback and to not lose passion and focus because you hear just because you hear it from a smart person. Yeah, that's great. That's great advice. We'll end on that, Ryan. Thanks so much for your time. I think it was really great advice and great talking to you. And uh, I'll put in the show notes ways to get a hold of you, uh, your LinkedIn, email, and, and those types of ways to, to reach out to you if anyone wants to find out more um, about where to or to talk to you. Yeah, that sounds good. And, and to make it convenient, it's ryan at where2.com is my email address and probably the easiest place to reach me, or you can find me on LinkedIn. Perfect. All right, Ryan. Thanks. Good talking to you. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to My Company Story. We have new episodes coming out every week, so please subscribe if you like this. And if you'd like to hear previous episodes, you can go to mycompanystory.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you or someone you know would be interested in coming on the show, please email me at don at Thanks for listening.